You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Long Yak with Saya, Anissa and Borama. Hi, I'm Saya. In this episode, we'll be looking back at our month of dramas new and old. Join us as we discuss the good, the bad, and the appallingly mediocre. This podcast is a project by fans for fans. If you want to be a part of making that dream grow, there are a whole load of ways to help. You can share our episodes on fan sites and social media, you can talk about the podcast to your drama-loving friends, or you can leave a review on iTunes or whichever app or platform you use to listen to us. And if you want to help us keep our lights on, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Finally, you can get in touch with us with your thoughts and ideas. We're always reading the comments on YouTube and Drama Beams, but you can also tweet at us at dramasoverflow, or email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. And that's it from me. Belt up and enjoy the episode. It's called The Long Yak for a reason. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parma. How's everyone doing? Ah, same old, same old. <laughs> the lockdown continues, although this we're supposed to be opening up. Our state is slowly opening some things. My country has become number one for deaths in Europe. Oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So that's like... Uh, we're still number one in the world. So. Yeah, but we're number two behind you, so you oh, know. Gosh. Getting and there. my state has become the number one in the number of rising cases in this country. So, you know, we're all number ones in our own way. It's like the worst <laughs> thing to be first in. Oh my it's god. It's like the disaster Olympics. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. I think Although, now we're, we've gotten to the point where it's like all like gallows humor, where you're like trying to cope with the anxiety by just like making really dark jokes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we are being kind of facetious but you know we hope that everybody is is okay and so it's a strange time everybody's trying to cope in their own ways it's weird it feels like there's no dramas on right now like after everything's finished there are stuff but not stuff that we are really into yeah that, that that's fair actually a couple of my friends mentioned um extracurricular to me but i i don't know i watched the trailer and i just wasn't i wasn't feeling it so I yeah, I realized like because with all of the stuff that I did actually watch in the last month, they were very easy to watch. And then once it got to the stuff that I wanted to watch, but they like required some brain engagement, then it was much harder to press play. But like I also don't want to watch the stuff that's too lightweight because I'm not that interested in it, even if it's easy to watch. So it's an an endless conundrum. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, sometimes I I do feel like in times of anxiety and stress, it's really hard to watch the things that, um, not even things that are dark, but just things that require a lot of brain power. Brain time. Like, um, yeah, like, like fantasy, where there's a lot of world building, and I have to, like, learn all the rules of the world and get, like, invested in it. When I'm under a lot of pressure or anxiety, I just don't have time for that. So then I gravitate towards like the rom-coms because it's such a standard formula that like it's it's like comfort food. And so I kind yeah. of just enjoy that when I'm feeling, you know, meant a lot of other mental complicated feelings. So right now I actually don't feel like watching anything that complex. But then it does at a certain point you want something like a little bit more substantial. I don't know. But then it's hard to press play. 
yeah. when you get to it. <laughs> yeah, like I've been trying to, like I've been right. thinking that I should start 365 for like three weeks and I just started it last night. So because I knew it was going to be like a little bit more involved and like I would have to use my brain a little bit. Although in its defense, you can watch it without your brain. It's you'll just miss things. It's more fun to watch with your brain. Yeah. But then it's harder to press play. <laughs> exactly. The eternal First problem. world problems, clearly. I'm sorry. This is like such a weird... <laughs> oh, it really no, is actually embarrassing how shamefully first world problem it is. Yeah. Which is why I find it hard to indulge in the, you know, the social media whining that... <laughs> We, we like the plural we people of our age group indulge in a lot during this time. Woe is me. I'm stuck at home watching Netflix all day. <laughs> I'm just, how do you do that, man? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we have we are so much better off than so many people who are going through so much right now. So, I mean, it's one thing to like be have like little daily complaints or or sort of just going through what you're going through but then like there is a certain like strain of people who like make a spectacle out of their non-suffering that i'm just like mm, no i feel like yeah. it's it's it is uh okay to have a little whale sometimes but i feel like that whale needs to be followed by the immediate recognition that you are so much more privileged than so many other people like yes i feel yeah. like so and so is a problem yeah, but also perhaps maybe because we're all directly connected to people who are having it worse, so it's easier for us to see that. Um, whereas for a lot of people, it they can have a very like they can be very disconnected from people who are less privileged than them, whether that's in their own communities or in other countries or or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, but it kind of makes me despair for humanity. <laughs> Not humanity, but you know, like our, our the intelligence of humans. I suppose. I mean, you know that this is something that's afflicting the whole world, the whole world. I do and wonder if people really know think... that sometimes. I still get people calling up my business line saying, "Why aren't you open?" And you're like, "Do you know what's happening what? right now?" <laughs> oh man. And they're like, I yeah. don't know, I'm standing in the middle of this high street and all the shops are closed. And you're like, I know you have a TV. And I'm sure if you don't have a TV, then you at least have a radio. Or somebody has told you that there is a pandemic. and You definitely have a dying. phone because you're calling me right now. <laughs> <laughs> a landline, most likely, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, it's... But also, at the same time, I feel like there are some people who are kind of... I mean, maybe bits of older sort of uncle types who aren't too... They're just like, what's another illness, you know? So they're not that bothered. No, the number <laughs> of times I've heard from from that generation that we have seen pandemics. No, you haven't seen pandemics. <laughs> Sit down. Although, wasn't there, oh. uh, apart from the 1918 one, wasn't there another flu one in the 50s? Not perhaps as Which big. Which country? I don't think it was a worldwide thing. What we've had in my country are famines, which, of course, while widespread, the middle classes didn't really suffer that badly. So, I mean, nobody of my acquaintance gets to say that we have seen great suffering. No, you haven't. Maybe Hush. they mean they've seen war, like, you know, independence, Sure, partition. but again, I mean, 
I don't know. They were like babies when the wars happened. <laughs> they were toddlers. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway. Uh, on to cheerier subjects. Which... Is it though? Because the first thing we're talking about is kind of making me... It's uh, I'm going to be a little grumpy about it, I'm going to be honest. The king? Okay. Go on, take it away. Like, with the grumpiness, or should I take it away? Like, who's taking it away? Both of you. Should I? <laughs> I'll come in at the end with my non-grumpiness. I only watched the first two episodes, and I told myself that I was probably going to go back, um, and I never went back. So, I guess my main issue with this is that Himeno just, fe- he seems bored, and it's a shame because clearly, like, they spent a ton of money on this. Um, the rest of the cast is amazing. They're really doing a good job. Everyone's really invested. And he just looks like he's uh, a dead-eyed zombie with no investment in this. And he's just there to, like, wear his pretty clothes and look nice and um, walk around and be admired by, like, literally every person in the story who's like, <gasps> who is this? that he's so and the background murmuring yeah yeah the background murmuring of he's so handsome <laughs> yeah but but i'm sorry they were not pretty clothes i have seen the clothes and yeah i mean what clothes. air quotes pretty clothes he's a yeah i mean he's he's I mean, like a model so he just makes everything look point, good but nobody he's wearing could this wear those jacket clothes. that doesn't even look like it's been finished it's like it's got random tacking stitches and they're not even like in a pattern like they're just they're just random. It just looks like he stole it from a tailor's work table, and it like drove me to Twitter to be like, "Is this fashion?" <laughs> Maybe it's it haute couture. <laughs> it was just I've never no understood bad. haute couture anyway. It's, yeah, I, I think the whole philosophy behind that is like emperor's new clothes type of um, thinking. We'll just tell them you this guys, is fashion, and they'll agree. Yeah, you guys have no soul. Okay, that kind of design always has such a sad story behind it. Have you not watched any of the fashion shows that Netflix provides you to watch? Have you ever seen a designer come up with something without like some sad ass story about how this tragic couple in this rural neighborhood they used to live in died or something, and that inspired them to make this particular? I can't say that I've ever watched that kind of show, but uh, you're making me intrigued, actually. No, you know the one with Tan France in it. it it's uh, where are I? Come up with... No, no, he he's in a he's in a. They're doing a fashion one now. Uh, I, I mean, the Queer Eye one was also a fashion one, but I mean him and uh, another Project Runway co-host. Something very similar to Project Runway. Oh, okay, but it's new and it's on Netflix and. I watched a few episodes and I was bored out of my mind. I don't think that's yeah, going to be Yeah, I don't good, understand why you, you would even click play on that. Because it's Stan France <laughs> and he's kind of funny. Oh, but, fair. Uh, <laughs> nah, nah, Yeah, nah, no, nah, sorry. Nah. I, I missed that whole genre of reality TV, so. I did enjoy Project Runway, though. I, I remember I was on a trip and uh, we I didn't have internet, but the TV was working. So I just watched a few episodes of Project Runway. I actually had this period uh, when I was finishing my undergrad. I just finished my undergrad um, and uh, daytime TV, and it was America's Next Top Model, and I think I watched uh, season four or something. I was like, this is good. Fashion is hard. Being a model is tough. And then I was like, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I can't actually devote my life to watching this. This is uh, it's, it's too much of a black no, hole. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> like similar struggles can be seen in so many professions that just, just I don't know. Not I mean, awesome professions these, but just not. Um, I have to say though, oh, do, why do you always have to come up with these ridiculous? sad stories to defend your weird ass designs Can't because you that's say I like weird TV. patterns and I slap <laughs> them together and this is the result just and, and I just do thought it I'd what see you how many people I could get to look at that and say wow that's like so amazing no well, because the producers want drama they want tears they want pain <laughs> they do clearly they because there was this fights. one instance where they had a guest judge come in who really didn't like this particular design and then he was made to stand while the designers explained the story behind it and then he was suddenly like, yeah, I understand this is totally the best design here. What? You said you were actually, he was giving legitimate critiques about why he didn't think it was good design and suddenly he was like, no, I mean, now that, I, now that you've told me that this is the story behind this design, I am fully convinced this is the best design. <laughs> what? So this is like those terrible K-drama heroes that are like total trash, but then you're supposed to care about them because they have like some secret pain in their heart that made them turn out horrible. Okay, if that was Still a good segue, that's excellent, because, but because otherwise it made absolutely no sense. <laughs> yeah, that was my plan. So, so you like, guys back didn't to like K-drama it. Hero. Back to yeah. the king. Um, my other issue with this, it, I mean... I haven't watched enough to really judge the fantasy aspect. It looks a little sad, confusing, sad. but I... What? He's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like constantly trailed by these whispers of how handsome he is. And you're like, he's not that handsome, actually. Whatever room he goes into, there's somebody in the background going, He's handsome. See, the reason that that bothers me is, like, it would bother me with any hero, with any actor, but, like, especially with Imino, like, he's not bad looking, but he's not one of those actors where you just look at him and are like, oh my god, how are you human? Where, like, there are definitely actors like that, where you're just like... Yeah, he's not Yoo Sang-ho, for instance. Exactly, or, like, Song Joong-gi or somebody who's, yeah... You know, like unearthly looking in a in yeah. a really impressive way. He's just has a pointy nose, and he's tall. Imino is one of those actors I always described as having an ajushi face, and Isengi <laughs> is also one of them. And like Isengi has finally just grown into his face. I feel like in Vagabond, I he has grown into I that agree. face. But that was not a handsome face, like in in the way that I would think. But of the thing as... is, with Isengi, Isengi has a charisma that it doesn't mm, really matter true. so much how he mm. looks because he's such a good actor and he's so charismatic that I didn't really care. But Imino has his no literally his only claim to fame <laughs> is that he's good looking and he was in Boys Over Flowers that launched his career. Yeah, I mean it's annoying because you're like he's not even that good looking, and he's not. <laughs> but I I think he fits this particular yeah. Korean beauty standard. So maybe yeah, that's just a so, cultural difference. Are we agreed that Imino <clears throat> has basically decided that the only characters he's ever going to play? are rich, entitled brats because he knows that that's like the only character he can ever play. I feel like Kim and Sik has just reinvented Kim Tan 
for like uh whatever his name is here oh, and this gone. is related to my other point which i've been yeah, trying to make for like 15 minutes which is sorry <laughs> no it's okay i was derailed by the whispers um my point that i wanted to make which is my last point and then you guys can take it is that i'm really getting tired of kim and sook having to like it's like a pathological need at this point for her to always give her male leads. They're either so, uh, either they're supernaturally powerful or they're so rich that it might as well be a superpower. Um, and then they're always in like some position of so much power that like everybody else in the drama is just at a total loss in comparison to them, especially and including the heroine. And she gives them that setup. I feel like she gives them that setup, especially and particularly so that they can be jerks. And you, then you have to be like, oh, well, I mean, and anybody else that would be terrible would be like, I understand why he turned out that way. Like, oh, of course, he's a prince that nobody ever says no to. So, of course, he turned out that way. Like, no, I don't want to see that character anymore. I'm done. Why Why is this person going around like saying, oh, if you were in my kingdom, I would behead you. Ha ha. Like, what? Is that supposed to be funny? I don't find the beheading jokes funny ever, like, in any way. They're, yeah. They're, just, they're not... One, his delivery doesn't work. You could make that delivery funny. Imagine Gongyu doing that. That could be funny. Exactly. I would be laughing my head exactly. off if Idongu right. was doing but that. But he doesn't have the comic timing yeah, or the charisma exactly. or the acting skills or even, like, the um, awakeness or the <laughs> <I think> interest. <laughs> Imino's repertoire covers a very narrow um, sort of... Um, uh, space which is like um like he has a quiet monotone uh, monotone which is that's all he's got like mm -hmm. when he deviates from that that's when like if his character is required to deviate from that then it stops working whereas if you just need him to be sort of uh, uh silent and strong and brooding like appearance wise uh, he does really well um and like the kind of uh, like he can pass that off as kingly gravitas, so I feel it actually works with his character in this show. Um, but like for example, the reason why uh, he was just he just didn't work in that mermaid show. What was it called again? Um, uh, Legend of the Blue. Oh, yeah, that one. And he was like he was really like lacking in that. He that was he just yeah like you say no charisma, no comic timing. Um, but he does have a certain amount of capability. Like I don't want to. I don't want to say completely that he he is totally incompetent. It's just it's very narrow what he can do. Yeah. Yeah, and it, but uh, that's true. But he also doesn't seem to be trying that hard in this. But why should he? Maybe this is uh, him trying. They just handed him. <laughs> Oi. They basically just handed him the easiest character, the one character he can absolutely sleepwalk through. That's There's true. absolutely no effort going into his performance, and. I'm not, again, as Sarah said, it's not like he's not capable. Of course, there is a certain amount of capability that comes with him. He wouldn't have this opportunity right after he came back from his stint in the army if, if he didn't have a certain amount of capability. But Though the I would dispute was... that. <laughs> People get jobs with no, with no um, what do you call it, ability. That's, that just is a sad reality of the industry. <laughs> True, but I mean... It's not like his last drama before he went off to army was such a huge success, you know? That's because he was rubbish. It could have I been... Agree. But also it was written badly, so that's another, another thing. Yeah. No, so what I was trying to say was that it's not like... I, sh I should clarify. Uh, the first two episodes are 
trash as far as understanding Egon's character is concerned or just anything about the world because the only thing interesting about this premise at this point is the fact that there there is an alternate world you want to know more about this alternate world but all you get is Egon coming to our world and discovering normal things and not even reacting to it so there is no sense of wonder there is no sense of discovery the humor doesn't land it's very uh, except for this i think it was uh, in the second week that you had uh, that moment that frozen moment in the park where uh, you have uh, teol kind of like freezing while she's trying to tie up her hair and uh, he's kind of gazing at her and she looks like some kind of a carved statue and, and he's not surprised enough beautiful and you like you no, should be okay, a bit more surprised, surprised enough <laughs> but what what uh, what I did appreciate the, because of the cinematography of the moment and the way it was uh, set up, Theo looked so damn mesmerizing and he looked mesmerized. But then I can't tell if that's just his blank face or if he was actually slack faced with surprise. I mean, it's <laughs> real hard to tell. <laughs> but um, But before that, it was just... Why am I even watching this? However, then you had that moment when Theol came to the alternate Korea. And I, I do think things oh, picked up. Oh, I haven't up. watched this far yet. You haven't? No, oh my no God, spoil. What? Silence. I've only, okay, I've only not... watched up to episode three. Okay, it's not a huge spoiler. But like, no, I, I want you, this you... to be fresh. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not going to spoil anything uh, major for you guys. But you guys do know that uh, Theol obviously comes to Egon's world. It's like a foregone yeah right that's so it, it suffice to say that once that happens his straight-faced i am the king persona actually starts feeling a bit more enjoyable because he's doing it in home ground and being sort of like being treated like the king uh but like it's it supported by the people around him like you you his his lack of reaction to anything feel slightly more palatable in in this situation as you find out more about his world and what he knows about uh the magic that is which by the way the magic is such trash man no I don't mean, say it <laughs> i know i know it's not like i know much more than you do they haven't actually explained much about the magic okay the, whatever the dragon king and the flute are doing it's what? Look, don't do this. Either say this thing is magic or say this thing is science. Don't say this thing is magic. I can totally explain it by science, but you're too stupid to understand that science. Great. No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do you. You're so dedicated to making your hero seem smart that you're making your audience feel like an idiot. Don't do that. Your hero doesn't look smart. The writing just seems crap. <laughs> I'm sad now because I feel that. like this is going to ruin my enjoyment of the next episode. You know, sometimes you get what? to a point with shows where you just need to not listen to any of the commentary, which I had with Airs actually, which I did enjoy. Um, and I'm not ashamed. Though Airs I would, was so bad. I potentially would be ashamed now, but back then I was not ashamed. Um, but no, I just, I, watched, I had to I, stop. I did watch Air live. I, I had to stop reading comments and recaps and things because it was like, you know, these people hate it and I don't. So I'm just going to carry on enjoying it by myself. Um, no, no, you won't be by yourself, Sai. I'm totally watching this. 
I'm telling you, I started enjoying it way more once Dayul came into Egon's world. Think things actually picked up. The mystery picked up. Characters started becoming a little more interesting. They gained dimensions. So I'm I'm all in. I actually find everyone in like the so-called normal world. I actually think I think they're all interesting. I just have no interest in Egon. <laughs> like Tail is interesting. I like her like police partner. I love that actor, by yeah, the way. Yeah, like you feel like yeah, um, the one who plays her partner, Kim yeah. Gangnam, I think. Yeah, um, Kim Gangnam. I he, I loved. He was like the only good okay, thing about Fox Pride guys, Star. Why are you guys not reacting to the fact that my puppy's climbing into my lap? <laughs> why? I'm just enjoying the sight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but now she's taking her away. <laughs> Clearly, we had a lot of feelings about Eamon Ho's performance, but let's actually talk about more about the show. So, Saya, uh, Saya, who didn't who didn't actually hate it and is actually really enjoying it, <laughs> and also is not hating uh, Eamon Ho because after like I read um, your weekend drama reports on him, um, and I thought, and, and we had that conversation, um, uh, that text conversation about uh, how what a charisma black hole he was and stuff. And so I was like, oh no, how bad is this going to be? And then I started watching and I was like, actually, I'm really enjoying this. And like I say, that his acting repertoire works for this character. And I find the plot quite interesting. And because we watched the uh, the first episode together, which I think added to how confusing it was because it was... Yeah, I had to rewatch the first episode. <laughs> and I didn't rewatch it. I was like, oh, this is too hard. Pressing play is hard. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> no. Um, but um, when I picked it up again from episode two, it actually got really interesting. Um, and like all of the characters and the backstories. And like, I like the interaction between... Like, you're sitting there, like, doing a spot the difference between the worlds, and you're like, oh, this character and that character, and, like, trying to correspond them and how they're related. And I find that really fun. Um, yeah. But I do feel like it it relied uh, quite heavily on, um, like, goblin callbacks, which I just, I didn't feel was necessary, but I, I can see why you would do it, but I think it's excessive. Like, you can do it once or twice, and it's like, okay, I enjoyed that. And it suffers by the comparison. Yeah, exactly. And you keep doing it, and that sort of it takes away from its own impact. Um, and and then, like, do you remember that one scene in Goblin that they kept uh, doing flashbacks to of uh, Kim Goon when um, she's with uh, Gong Yu, and she like, you know, when she's like, she's got her head tipped back and she's smiling, and her chest is puffed out, and she looks like this like anime schoolgirl. Um, yeah. I don't know if that is this the same director as Goblin? I I didn't check. But um but like why do they do that? I feel like it and cuz she's is Kim going that tiny uh, is my first question. And secondly, if she is that tiny, then rather than tipping her head back that far, perhaps she should just move a step further back, like 6 inches. That's all it would take for her to not look like a tiny schoolgirl. I just really dislike that as a as a visual. Um and I think both with Gong Yu and with Lee Min Ho, they were trying to show the height difference mm. with her. Yeah, but like... Because they are both very tall men. The height difference seems to stand in for... Like with Gong Yu, it seemed to stand in for an age difference. And with this, it mm. just seems to stand in for a power difference. And I don't like it for yeah. that reason. But actually, I'm enjoying it. And also, the whole Alice in Wonderland thing, I just find it so... I find that such a boring reference material and so many dramas use it. Exactly. And you just need to move I on agree. from Alice in Wonderland. I hate it. Please. Stop. I, I mean, I don't like it 
as a, a material, like an independent material in general. I'm just not into Alice in Wonderland. But it's like, it's so overused. There are other books. No, but it's not just that, Saya. It's they are they are using Alice in Wonderland metaphors with no context for no yeah, right. Reason. It doesn't make it's any like, sense. Like what? Let Let's just use a metaphor, a fairy tale. What <laughs> fairy tale? Yeah, just plopping it up where where it it doesn't fit at all. It's not it's not an analogy for anything. It's just random. It's very random, and you're like, but why? It's very random. It's like why is his it, why is his white horse called Maximus? It's just a random <laughs> reference to a Disney movie. Like, why? <laughs> no, so Egon really likes his fairy tales. His father used to tell him fairy tales, right? So, is that a spoiler? That's true, but do they have Tangled in the alternate universe? Like, what? <laughs> they must they probably have. Do. I'm sure Disney would exist in every universe. <laughs> this is probably true. But yeah, no, I agree about the Alice in Wonderland thing. But it's not the same director, by the way, as Goblin. Different director. Okay. Oh, right, okay. Oh, right, yeah. But it's the same writer who loves creepy differences between her female and male leads. Okay, I'll stop. Does she have a co-writer on this one? I have Again, I didn't check that, because usually she does better when she I has co-writers. So. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still going to watch it. I'm a little <laughs> worried about how she's going to wrap up this particular drama. I mean, I know it's probably a little too early to worry about it right now, but I didn't, I really didn't like Goblin's ending. And if this is going to have a sort of a tragic comedy ending, I'm just, I, I'm going to stop watching her stuff. To be honest, like, she worked on Goblin for many years. And I think that showed in the fact that at least for the first 80% of the f- show, like, it actually made quite a bit of sense. And it was, you know, like, it seemed well oh, yeah, planned and well thought out. It was out. really well fleshed out. It was yeah. really well done. I, this one, I feel like she was just like, oh, well, my last supernatural drama was so good. Let's just throw, like, time travel and alternate universes and all kinds of, like, magical flutes and just, like, throw in everything with the kitchen sink and, like, let's go. It is thrown together, like, quite a few disparate concepts, which I'm not sure. I mean, I'm I'm okay with it as long as they will eventually sort of explain or bring it together in a in a way that makes sense. Like, I feel like we're still in the stage where things are allowed to not make complete sense. That that's fine, but I think they have already shown a few laps in logic, which I don't want to get into because they would be a bit spoilery. But I I but am we will next writing, month. <laughs> uh, we will next month. That is going to be a. Sp- Spoilery review yeah. of the king, guys. Uh, it's also warning. a good place to remind um, uh, our listeners that we are we are still doing the weekend drama reports, um, which is our weekly ta- uh, written bloggy takes. Where we where we do spoil somewhat, not a lot, no major spoilers, but we rant, and that means some spoilers. So if yeah. the wait gets too too arduous between yaks, don't forget that you can go and check out our blog on uh what is it at dramasoverflowers.net yep there didn't i do that smoothly (laughs) (laughs) so amongst all the characters there's just one character that i'm looking up uh, uh, watching a bit anxiously right now which is obviously prime minister ku because ku ku I don't know, but the pretty lady. (laughs) The pretty lady, which they have emphasized so much. This is something I don't understand about this drama. But she is gorgeous. Have you seen seen that jawline? (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But like on the one hand, they keep emphasizing that she is very feminine and very into her looks and very careful about how she dresses and the makeup she puts on. And then she has her ministers being sexist about you 
pretty young thing. You don't know how countries work. And her being all, I mean... But she's also proven that she's uh, highly politically competent, which it's I think... Not, it's, it's not that. The thing is, you can be somebody who's highly efficient, very much into makeup, without that being part of your set design. <laughs> Even her office. Her office doesn't look like something that a predecessor has enjoyed. Her office lo- looks like her personal study, which she has prettified. Do, do you know, like, y- your set design says a lot, but her set design doesn't look lived in. I mean, I honestly find her uh, the least believable character in this entire cast, which is saying a lot. But I enjoy looking at her, so I don't mind. No, so watch, watch a little more. I, I like that she has dimensions, but the problem is that I think she's being cast... It, it, this is really tiresome, but I think she's being cast a bit into that, you know, uh, uh, petty second lead, uh, female second lead role, uh, where yeah. you know the the main lead doesn't want her, so she's petty and backbiting and all of that. But on the other hand, she's also this very effective prime minister of a country. It's like the drama is setting her up for both characters, which is fine. I want her to be nuanced, but they are focusing way too much on her petty evilness what i don't like is that they are pitting the monarch against the democratic elected leader and the monarch is the most sensible one Mm. the one who cares more about the country whereas the prime minister is the petty one who just wants power and she is angling to show herself in the best way but she doesn't actually care as much about the people Oh yeah, so, when you put it that way, that's definitely that's how it's coming off to me, and I'm I'm really not enjoying that. That I, that way more than the romance and all of that stuff is is bothering me a lot. Not because I'm such a huge flag bearer of democracy, I guess I am, but that's just not <laughs> that's not it. I'm just it's it's kind of hitting me on my you know the, my my feminist beliefs as well as my. It's just, it's, it's a bunch of things and it's all squashed into this one character. So I'm really wary about what they do with her. I really hope they don't turn her into an instrument of villainy, uh, which I'm kind of afraid that they are going to do yeah, at some point. Because then what does that say about the message of your drama? If like the prince who did nothing to get into his position except be born is like a better ruler than the prime minister. He's already That was democratically elected. I mean, dude is just, he's a genius. He's charismatic. Uh, and, and because she's a woman and the monarch is a man, she's angling to be his girlfriend. I mean, oh, yeah, on, that, I really dislike that angle. Is this really written by a woman? I just want to add a, a perspective to that. Um, being a, a person who who lives in a constitutional mon- mo- constitutional monarchy type of situation, I remember someone telling me about about someone who was a uh, uh, wh- what do you call them again? The heredit- uh, heredit- hereditary peers, hereditary. hereditary peers, which are like you know lords and stuff, like titled mm. people yeah. who yet they did nothing to earn their roles but be born into them. However, those are people who were brought up from like day dot to to take the responsibilities of their peerage seriously. And there's something to be said for that. For example, if you look at Queen Elizabeth, who, you know, I'm no royalist, but um, again, someone who was brought up from, like, again, the, the day she was born to to live a certain, to think a certain way and, like, to 
do her duties and responsibilities. And I feel like you can make that same argument for like Egon, which is that he was brought up from the first moment to be a king. And that doesn't happen by accident. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, this can go very badly wrong. You do get despotic monarchs and all of that. But also it if it can go right. You know, we've had uh, benevolent uh, kings and things like that. So it's a... Uh, I, I don't find it entirely unbelievable. I haven't got this far yet in the drama, but I always think of, of that, uh, which a friend of mine told me because of... Uh, this perspective that she had gained from someone who uh, was a member of the peerage, um, a hereditary peer, and like from her years of interaction with this person who was a, 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 um, a supervisor of hers, that she she came back with that insight from it. And I just found that really, like it stayed with me for like the 20 years since I've heard it. I, but yeah, that. Yeah, I've, so I've heard this argument before and I, I, I have full sympathy for it. I, I do see it and I, it, it is kind of one of those things where, listen, I read Regency romances. You don't think that I have like a mild crush on this whole nobility thing. I mean, come on, totally. But and I, I, it's not like I don't understand how some a character like Egon would have been brought up and why he would like his every particle of his being would have been like duty first, nation first. I, I understand that. That's not the issue. The issue is when your script is uh, sort of like pitching the democratic head against the, uh, what's a monarch? A monarch? It, it would, would an, a unelected, an unelected head of state. But yeah, I guess like against the monarch and you're, you're consistently showing the democratic uh, elected head as someone who's petty and manipulative and takes advantage of her power, and whereas the monarch is like this glowy... Without the comparison, I mean, that that prime minister is probably very reflective of many prime ministers, as is more evident now than ever it's been. What? Which monarch <laughs> is Egon reflective of, Saya? No, no, not the monarch, the <laughs> prime minister. Me. I'm saying good, take away the comparison and just the description of the prime minister. But the problem is that the prime minister isn't, they're not existing. She doesn't exist without the monarch. So it, it does, the, the show is saying something. So that is all I had to, that's all the quibble I had with uh, the king. Uh, Sai and I are both watching it and we'll update you next month on what's been going on. And hopefully, hey, uh, Anissa, are you going to give this a chance at all? Um, if you guys are enjoying it, like at the midpoint, I might come back. Because I did right. like uh, a lot of the other things. Although I have, I do have the same issues with any drama where the lead character is a monarch. So we'll see. So... What's next, Aya? When the weather is fine, which just wrapped, was it last week? Finished last week? I think so, the week before, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've lost track of time. Um, I'm going to let you guys take this first because I feel like I've written a lot about this. Um, and then I'll, I'll chip in in the, uh, in the middle. She has, and it was an excellent review. And you guys should really go to dramasoverflowers.net to read our last weekend drama report. I think we should specify that it's the first uh, Weekend Drama Report of May, because by the time this comes out, it's not going to be our last one. That's yeah, true. That's, that's true. true. <laughs> the first drama report of May. The one with Yusago in the header. There you go. Yeah, that there was the Saya one. 
<laughs> that was the one where I took it over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did also write about this um, the week that it finished in the Weekend Drama Report. Um, basically, so my overall feelings about this drama are I don't love it. At, by the time it ended, I didn't love it as much as I loved it when I was halfway through, which sadly tends to happen a lot. I mean, it was still a very beautifully shot, warm, lovely drama with nice dialogue that had a great cast and lots of interesting and cute and lovable characters. But I just did not... I was not on board with the way that, that they ended ruined any it. of the the main arcs for the main characters. So let me just... I have a lot of questions. Okay, I'm just going to tell you my questions. Are we required to give answers? No, this is <laughs> okay. a list of questions because I have so many. So like, what ha Like, why did she break up with him? Oh, by the way, spoilers for the ending because I don't think I can talk about this without spoilers for like the last two weeks. So... I don't understand why she suddenly just so like after saying is this love yes this is love okay it's love okay actually then she just like breaks up with him and leaves why and then like after she unburied her phone from under that tree which like okay why didn't she give him her phone number they have phones they don't live in Joseon times like they could have still kept in touch I don't understand that also I swear I thought she had thrown her phone away yeah, like, we suddenly just find out that she buried it, like, in the place where her parents met, which is, like, weirdly morbid, too. I don't know. And then, like, how are we supposed to believe in their future when, like, she comes back and he's like, are you gonna leave me again? And she, like, doesn't answer him. And then they're just, like, are smiling at each other in the yard and, like, pretending like everything's okay. That was the creepiest okay. smile ever. Yeah. What was that? He's looking so heartbroken and, and just disconsolate and he's, like... How long are you going to stay? When are you leaving? And she turns around and just gives him this wide smile. I'm so disturbed. I mean, I was almost like, I was vampiric. so disturbed by that ending because it's like, what, 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 what is the drama saying to you? What are they telling you about? Like, what? They are just telling you happened? that no good thing can last, and Yunsub should never have any hopes in his life, and everybody will always leave him, just like he always feared. Yeah, but that's awful. And you know, like I genuinely had like pretty Nuna flashbacks to this because it it felt like that. It's like you just came all of this way, you went on this entire like developmental journey, and now we are here, and it is all like, what guarantee yeah. do we have? What's the promise of a good future? Like. No, there isn't any because you have the yeah. Like I also, I feel I I also have a lot of sympathy for the the pretty Nuna flashbacks because I got, I started feeling this like uncomfortable, frustrated feeling around the halfway point when like all the important conversations were happening inside people's heads and nobody was talking to each other. And I was like, okay, I get that you're an introvert, but like there's being an introvert and there's just like being a non-functional communicator. But and even when they did talk to each other, the things that, like, they were agreeing to, like, what was Unsub agreeing to in that relationship? Why is it okay for her to just leave him? Why is it okay for her to come and go? Why is, does she get to come back and just, like, she, she doesn't have to apologize, she doesn't have to explain, she doesn't have to, like, there, there's, like, why did she suddenly become God in this universe? And... I really disliked it. Like, the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. And it's not only in re in her relationship to Unsub, it's also in her relationship to her aunt and her mother. Mm. Because, like, 
She never really, like, we don't really ever find out, like, did she ever finish reading her aunt's book? Like, her aunt publishes the book, so she must have, like, seen it. She must have read it. There's no acknowledgement of, like, the rest of the story that, like, the audience knows about mm. what happened and how, like, the, her father was trying to kill both of them. And it was all, like, yeah, they just... Yeah, and her reaction to that news was, there were times when I didn't like my dad, too, but he was still my dad. What? Like, like who? He, wh- which, like... In what like uh, universe does any of her reactions to that make any sense? Like, at least, okay, initially she's shocked and devastated and all of that. But, like, they never address any of those issues. They never yeah, address like the young point- like, whole guilt and her punishing herself. And, like, it's it's like, oh, well, she was right to punish herself all those years because she did murder him. Like, what? And in the end, the- Hewan punishes her, too, because she's banished. She's exiled. They make it look like it's her decision. But it's actually, it's not her decision. She's like... She can see that's like her reaction to Hewan's reaction, which is, you know, if if Hewan is blaming her for it, which she is, um, which, okay, I can understand you would do that. But like, there's a process. You don't like don't you don't get stuck on blame. You have to then move on and accept what the actual reality was. And she never had that. There was no process. No, exactly. I I do have an insert here, though. Mm. I don't think the aunt's leaving was the worst ending because throughout the story, it was very clear that the aunt felt trapped in this town. It was never her plan to come and live here for years. She had plans to go out into the world and explore. She had these uh, ambitions that never got fulfilled because she gave everything up and just settled in here. And that's it. She even gave up writing. The Her leaving to me at least, felt like a choice she made. I mean, mean, her being so adamant about never coming back was just weird. But the leaving of it was, I think, felt more like I'm just going to go out into the world, see everything that I've not seen all of these years, and this place was my prison, so I won't come back. But again, like, she didn't actually say any of that stuff. I I just have to infer it. You know, like, yeah, like, you're left to make that interpretation by yourself. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with her leaving, but, like, we don't know why she's leaving. Is she going to turn herself in? Is she going to live a happy life with her Ulbo? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I got the impression that she was was leaving him, too. Like, and that's why he started crying again. She is leaving him because as the he, as as the editor told the reporter that uh, he, yeah Chakaniv is not with him they are not dating but she's basically so, saying she's disappearing yeah uh, and like that's the that's what she is like that's her way of what continuing to punish herself I think what was really the nail in the coffin for me with this drama was like that ending was it a, was it a voiceover or was it just like a text from the from the writer or the directors or whatever it was like framed as though it was from the production team right like that little stuff the little mm-hmm. statements at the end about um everybody's doing their best and the main thing is just to be next to somebody so like what it's okay as long as you exist like you don't have to tell tell them anything you don't have to make any commitments you don't have to like be there for that you just have to exist doing your I best have to admit- I, I kind of switched off before that part. I was just, I did not have the patience to sit through any. I mean, I just logged off. It was such BS. Anyway, that's all that I have to say. Oh, and Jango and Inshil are adorable. To, to cut into the, the good part with another bad part, I really disliked how uh, Hui's storyline ended. Like, what was that? Yeah. Just, just like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm incoherent at this point. It just... I feel like 
you had such a great drama and you came you just ruined it all in the end with like what did you not think this through i mean it's a problem if if you didn't think this through that's a problem and if you did think this through and this is the complete conclusion you came to that's also a problem it's like whichever way you cut it it's 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 yeah and i don't know if this is um like a legit uh thing because it's something that i saw online so obviously like take it with a grain of salt but i did see somebody who had said that they knew how the original book in korean ended and that in the original book it's not like such an open ending and that Hewan does actually like make a commitment to unsub so I if that's the case which i don't book. know if that's the case because i haven't yeah it's based on a novel if that's the case then like why make this baffling choice to just like have no answers and no resolution. The ending and does no... feel like it's been written by somebody else completely. Yeah, it it doesn't feel coherent. It doesn't feel like it belongs in the same world. Like I feel like the natural ending for this show would have been that uh, Hewan actually okay after she goes away. Let's say she needed to go away, but she actually comes back to to live there and maybe and, and you know be with Unsub and maybe be a music yeah, like teacher open a music in the village exactly because they showed all of those moments where uh she was clearly like she was having these moments with people like the uh land uh, lady uh the kid and like you they you saw her finding meaning in doing that even in a in that like sort of humble non-city uh non-soul kind of way so you could see her having a future there so it felt like that would have been the natural conclusion. Yeah, and it would have made so much more sense for her to be like, oh, actually, I was miserable because I was in Seoul, but it wasn't the teaching that I hated, so I'm going to come back to my hometown and teach here. And you always had that thread of, like, jang also being like, oh, it's actually valuable to come back to your hometown and have live a good, ordinary life here with the people who love you. But instead, she's like, oh, well, I hated Seoul so much that I hated teaching, but actually don't hate teaching, so I'm just going to stay in Seoul. Like, what? <laughs> I really loved uh like Jung's um just like his whole beginning to end he's a really fantastic yeah. character but like the fact that he got to say that really meaningful thing about like why he chose to come back I mean you know uh a, a Seoul uh university graduate why would you come back to your no name hometown that's a, a valid question but the way that he explains um you know why it was important to him and how it kind of reminded me, you know, of that last poem in You Who Forgot Poetry about these unremarkable moments that add mm. up to a life. Uh, it reminded me of that. And it was, that was very beautiful. Yeah. Jango's entire character was just, it was just so nice to have that character in the drama. We initially, I, I think people kept looking for, What's his trajectory? How much is he contributing to the drama? And they were very disappointed that he didn't have a meteor role in it. But I I think he served two purposes. The first is that uh, acting as a juxtaposition to um, Yunsub, in that he is the accepted boy uh, brought up lovingly by his parents, so, sort of, you know, loved by everybody in the town, but he has a very similar nature to Yunsob's. They are both shy. They've both had childhood crushes on these girls that they couldn't, <laughs> couldn't confess and nurtured those crushes for years. They were both good students. They kept out of trouble. They're both mild-mannered, mild-natured. 
they both want to help people they can't turn people away so it's they are very similar boys you could absolutely see why they would be friends but they had very different lives in that yunsuk was treated as like a a foundling uh by the entire town even though he was loved so much by his adopted parents and uh, jangu was just accepted by everybody as part of the community an easy part of the community and he never had to question his place in the community whereas you could see that yunsub had to question his place in the community so that that the juxtaposition was a big thing and the and the other thing was simply that he was such a charming character i mean, i it was just it was just nice to have uh, watch his uh, arc happen totally but i <laughs> I don't know what to say about this drama. I it it just it bewilders me from the moment the Okay, look. I mean, I wasn't too on board when the drama in the beginning this suddenly went for like four episodes this dove into Yeonsob's repressed emotions and his rejection of Haewon for no good reason that I could see. and then they just did that for four episodes and then these two got together and they started confessing their love to each other but apparently the love wasn't very strong because a few episodes later heyon just upped and left without a conversation without any arguments she just told him i got to go and he's like okay yeah it was <laughs> like she's been saying for three episodes in her mind like please read my mind and ask me to stay and then suddenly she's like nice knowing you <laughs> thanks that reminds me up with you <laughs> See you later. That reminded me of this uh part in Temperature of Love which um I think I compared this drama to um early on which is like one of my favorites which a lot of people hate by the way because of the heroine. Um there's this um uh, Sohyunjin's character does the same thing. So she leaves Young Sejong. Uh but then when she comes back um and she asks him to take her back, he's like he says to her right he says to her how can i trust that someone who left me once won't leave me again and that makes him exactly. like that's an actual conflict in their relationship like that how can so i have sense. that belief in you yeah so you see understand why i love this drama yeah, um, especially for somebody who has such deep seated emotionally like abandonment issues like mm. sorry i shouldn't yell but i yeah <laughs> do yell it's all it's all what do you call it it's our emotions that's exactly it they explored his issues for four episodes right in the middle of right in the middle of heyon's storyline they suddenly plopped in yunsob's issues and i was like fine fine let's let's go with this so the boy feels like everybody's going to leave him this is clearly an arc that's going to be resolved with you know him accepting that heyon loves him <laughs> oh my god <laughs> literally so, the worst thing that she could do to this boy like yeah given his history she that knows she knows what his issues are yeah. yeah and and the other thing okay so i think one of our listeners rue uh left this comment on our blog and i love this <laughs> she called it his acceptance of heyon's part-time her love quiet, ex- <laughs> yes. quiet acceptance of her part-time quiet love that was accept- a great line I, by I the way i love that brilliant exactly. line yeah <laughs> it absolutely completely sums it up and it's like perfectly said and yeah that was that was absolutely on on the nose finally before we move on from this um boyong the one that we thought useless was mm. for majority of the drama actually had a bit of a purpose 
She actually had a really good arc in the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I really liked the conversation she had, the bus conversation that they had and the follow-up conversation where, you know, Hewon does she took her, her home drunk, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked the conversations they had about forgiveness, about closeness, why you would forgive certain people, why you wouldn't and 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 degrees of and the nature of friendship nature of friendship how broken can it be mm. can it is it is it ever too irreparable or is it okay to have cracks in your friendships mm. and, yeah and so. like the conclusion was I, I really interesting was nice. there like the conclusion uh, of what you just said is that is is it repairable and the conclusion that right. they came to actually perhaps theirs wasn't repairable but they could move on from it like they could clean it up and and move on yeah and that was yeah i thought yeah. that was a really well done put actually yeah and now we can move on <laughs> yeah we can move on to to us being converted by you last month so yes. last 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 yak which i think hasn't come out yet last yak you talked um about the chinese drama you were watching and me with my problems of uh pressing play i don't know how i just accidentally ended up pr- like watching this on like i was on my phone i was like out eating my dinner netflix i was like <laughs> oh what was that show that she was talking about oh i can't remember its name oh that's what it was find yourself and then i put it on and i just watched an episode while i ate and then i was like I think I'm into this, and then and then I watched the the, the next forty episodes over what like eight uh, five days, just like I continuously think, texting yeah. us about how much she loved this show. <laughs> I think day first, and night. <laughs> the first few episodes. This is also while I was sick, so it was like you know, it was it was it was very interesting. The the first half of of my um ill illness was um. Eight epi- I think it came, the maths made it eight episodes a day until I finished it. I don't know how, I, I don't know how I was alive. But, um, you know, that's what happens when you're stuck in your room and you can't leave. And you just need something easy to watch. I 100% can sympathize with that. <laughs> and because it was, it was really easy to watch um, as well. So, you know, it, it, pressing play is hard. But um, you just just carried on you just it was like i was numbing my way through it like it was, netflix is just like auto playing it for you like one by one <laughs> one after another you don't have to press play you just like watch it like a zombie with exactly. your eyeballs propped open but, uh, but it was also like like it was so quotable as well it had so many quotable moments and so many things that i related to because the heroine um you know she's a woman in her 30s facing the usual societal pressures that asian women face and you're just like i relate to this so hard and it's just very very relatable but no yeah, no yeah. handsome young man saving me yeah no I, I i didn't watch all of it i watched about 14 episodes and i might go back i'm not sure yet but i did find the male lead kind of annoying and overbearing to be honest um but i really love the heroine the heroine is She's just so great. She's like so capable, but then like she wears her heart on her sleeve and then like her relationship with her twin brother and her parents is like best and her her mom and dad are just I love them so much. They're so cute. Um and then like her work friendships with her coworkers and especially that one friend that she has is kind of like her hubei, I guess. Um that is yeah. a really and I think that that character is probably going to end up having a romance with like her friend that works in the office. I'm guessing it seems to be going that way. So like that looks interesting and cute and 
I don't know. I, I, I have issues with a, a male lead who's like too young. And he's immature. too young as well. Like he's my mm. sister's age, and oh, so God. yeah, that I makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, and my sister is like a good twelve years younger than me, so that is. I just see her as like a different generation, and because I think it's not just the that she's my sister, but it's like because I've lived my life having that age gap between us and understanding how different our experiences are, have been of growing up. I know without the shadow of a doubt that I would never be able to marry somebody that was that much younger than me. Maybe in like 15 years, but like at this point, no. I just know that like that's just me. And maybe it's just me. It's not everybody, but I just... I have a friend who has three younger brothers and that basically... It, it does. I think your sort of your family environment or your social environment does shape the kind of um, what you find acceptable in a partner or not. Like with my friend, she the idea of a younger any a man younger than her. She was like, no, never. I've got three younger brothers. No, not happening. So that was always like a big thing, uh, uh, like just a big no for her. Um, mm. Whereas, like for example, I don't have that same issue, but I only have one younger brother who's like 11 years younger than me so if if that kind of age gap I'd be like no but like a three or four year age gap I'm like you know my sister but this is a 10 year age gap yeah I know in the drama what's fun fun about the drama is that the drama actually it it just it grabs those things and like the whole the generational difference like they had this conversation they had me probably a lot later they have this conversation where there uh, is a group of them and um one of them uh, the, uh, one of the other women in her 30s is like you know when i was a kid it'd be like getting down in the mud and playing going down by the river and uh, she and Fanshing were like yeah that was our childhood right like an analog childhood and another one's like you know we didn't even have electricity until we were like this age and and the other kids are like what the the younger the ones in their 20s and their early 20s are like what we've always had electricity I don't believe you it's not real or like the way they'd pass their time um I can't remember how what the differences were, but they it was like one of them was like a like a you know they'd play on their phones or something, um, and whereas the older ones were like that's not what we did to to pass the time. <laughs> so that I the fact that no, they for sure. I think this is what Barma told us last time. She was like everything that you uh, every reservation that you could possibly have. The drama grabbed it like by by the uh, uh, collar and was just like here conflict eat it. <laughs> And it was really fun. Yeah, which which is one of the reasons I really liked that they did the whole uh, second lead romance thing really well. They actually used it to progress the first lead's uh, relationship because I don't think Fang Sheng would have given Yeonsung a real chance if she didn't have looming waiting right you know in the in the wings waiting to kind of like come in and like give this relationship if. So Looming is a guy who's slightly older than her and he fits, he checks he's every box as, as far a, as, you know, yeah, exactly. he's perfect as far a as parental candidate. approval, societal approval, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So because she had him to try out a relationship with and they were already great friends, that she realized that despite Yun Sung being much younger and all of the reservations she had about their age, their life experiences, even um, initially when they were dating, he was actually working in the same office, but, um, you know, she was uh, superior. She was the boss. 
um, and she didn't like the power dynamic issues that that created. So she wanted to keep it uh, quiet in the office. All of those reservations, oh, uh, including how she earned way more than what he could earn uh, right now, like just every sensible, practical, real world consideration that you would have. She had them. She heard stories about other mismatched couples as far as age is concerned and their tragic endings. Yes. She thought yeah. of everything. <laughs> How much did I hate that woman, uh, Mrs. Wen? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The, oh the neighbor yeah. woman? Uh, oh, my God. The busybody oh. neighbor. But Goodness, I hated her so much. She is such a real world... And that's why I hate her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that she is exists. So that auntie is exists. out there. Yep. That's like that half so of the aunties. And I, I'm, I, I have absolutely no doubt that everything she feared will rear its head up again. But thankfully, because she had a chance to have a relationship with Looming and see that the socially approved life is not the one that would make her happy, she could go back to Yonsung and, and I'm sure that would work now. Because all of the fears and considerations she had, they wouldn't stop her from being happy with him. Mm-hmm. eventually and also to be fair Yunsung, as as Anisa pointed out his character is a bit overbearing but he's overbearing in the way that he's a much younger man who's very handsome very sought after he's very confident about his own future but he doesn't have a lot of life experience but he's very conscious of the fact that Fan Cheng has a lot more life experience than he is he's always conscious that she is she is um she has lived more. She knows more. It gives him more. some insecurity as well in, in that sense. Yeah, like it, it the, does that give him insecurity. experience difference makes him insecure. Because usually what you often have in, in like Nuno romance type uh, romances is that the, the, the guy, the younger guy, tends not to have problems except that he can't get her to they agree. They have no insecurities whatsoever. Whereas in this, he, like he actually gets to have insecurities as well. Like, he's not a perfect hero, and he's, like, usually in the other ones, they make it so that you're just, like, you as a viewer are, like, yelling at the hero and saying, just accept him, like, why won't you? Um, Because he's absolutely perfect, blah, blah, blah. Because he, he's um, not immature he's not. at all, these characters. <laughs> yeah. But right. Samsung is immature, you can see his immaturity. Yeah. So I think I didn't get to the points where they do address all of that, so I'm still not, like, 100% invested maybe but i, wanna, I do I, I want to say one thing but i don't know if it will spoil it for you um but it it's not one of those dramas okay no it's not a huge spoil spoiler yeah, um, i don't yeah. mind in this okay. case it's fine so they have a breakup which uh, i feel is is one of the rites of passage of this kind of relationship but i also feel that that first breakup is always really necessary because in like they break up for reasons that really matter um, and then yeah. w- while they're broken up, they they sort of reflect, uh, they can figure out what their mistakes were and they grow, they grow in that time so that by the time they do get together um, properly, they've actually learned enough and they've grown enough that they are now mature enough to have that relationship, which they wouldn't have been able to without the breakup. Like the breakup is a really uh, important step in their relationship. It's not the end. It's it's a it's a part of the process. I really like that breakup scene because oh, the, that was the good... build up for it, the build up for it was there. For I mean, you could you could see it throughout their relationship, and it was like, like all a of the tensions realistic. came yeah, to a head. All of the tensions, yeah. 
Okay, because the tensions were starting to make me feel really uncomfortable. At the point where I'm at, where she, like, just rearranged his whole apartment without asking him anything, and then, like, returned his the gift that he gave her. I was just like, uh, I'm feeling stressed oh, out right now. Oh, that returning of the gift oh, that, thing. That, My that, god, that was... That also comes back. See, it's, it's, it's basically exactly like P said. Everything comes back, and, like, it okay. doesn't leave things unfinished. Like, you will get an answer. It's not going to be like when the weather is fine. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe I will go back to it then. I'll, if but I there do, are, I'll there let are you know. some really problematic things which we can't talk about now until you've watched it. But We, we can't talk about it, but I later. think it's mostly to do with secondary characters. Yeah. So I don't think, I mean, that's something that you can like skip over, yeah. I suppose. But I also, I don't want to talk about it until Anissa's watched it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. What's next, guys? So, next on our list, uh, Sai's already watched and talked about this. Uh, Anissa, you want to yeah. talk about 365? Yeah, so I just started 365, repeat the year. I only watched the first two episodes, which is basically the first hour. Um, I don't really know what's going on yet, but I'm enjoying <laughs> myself. And I just want to say, like, I'm really glad that Ijeonyak is back. And he's not being dismembered by anybody. Um, oh. And he's like smiling and happy. Um, yeah, I just really, I'm just really glad to see him in a lead role. Um, he's been doing some really interesting stuff. Like his character in Forest of Secrets was very well done, very funny, very like just one of the best villains I've seen. But it's really nice to see him in a lead role again. Um, so I'm excited for this. And I do like how the brightness and liveliness of his character kind of um, is a good foil for Namjian's character, which is much darker. And I think it's also a really interesting character for her because she tends to play these really um, kind of light, cheerful, bright kind of characters usually, like in Shopping King Louie and that lawyer drama that she did with Ji Changwook that I can't remember the name of. Um, but she actually has a pretty dark energy in this, like even before... The ex, whatever happens to her that kind of makes her life very sad in the beginning of the drama. Yeah. Like she has, she already yeah. writes like a murder webcomic. So clearly, like there's some darkness in her soul. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I like that. I like this. And it's intriguing so far. The premise is intriguing. Yeah. But yeah, I'll be back with more I, thoughts I, next month. I'm also, uh, I think I'm on the third episode right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to reserve my preview. I'm enjoying it a lot. I don't have a whole lot more to say right now. But this seems like one of those dramas where I can talk a lot about it after I've binge watched. Because whatever speculations I have right now, they all feel very spoilery. So yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. I'm really glad I started it. And uh, yeah. So we'll reconvene next month. Yeah, let's do that. Sounds good. Okay, and our final drama for discussion this month is Hospital Playlist. Okay, I have a question. Um, is it just me or is the Ikjun and Songhua quote-unquote romance feeling a bit forced? I mean, they are just such good friends. So I haven't seen any romance yet. I'm only at like the middle of episode seen, six. I haven't seen any either, but it's just the implication of it. Mm. Through, for, for a couple of episodes now, I've watched episode seven. I haven't watched uh, this week's yet. Is it out? It should be out by now. It's out. I think it'll be. Yeah, yeah. It, it was out today. But I just was like thinking that something must have happened in episode seven and I didn't watch it. So 
No, 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 no. Nothing of the sort. It's just they're good friends. That's it. They have no, they have no tension between them. There is no awkward awareness. There is way more tension between between our uh, our you know like wannabe uh, monk doctor's mom and her friend, her straight faced <laughs> friend. There's like so much chemistry there. I really want these two to get together. I'm I'm like way more rooting for mom and her friend than I am for Ikjun and Songwa. I just want Ikjun and Songwa to stay good friends like they already are. Don't force a romance when when it's not. Yeah, it would be an interesting plot twist for them to like both find out that they liked each other back then and then be like, yeah, I'm over it. Like, let's just be friends. But I don't think that that's what yeah, they're exactly. going to do. Most likely not. And and to be fair, the, the romantic inside me would totally enjoy having these two be together. But I'm just... The thing is that this is one of those rare dramas where you don't tune in for the plot. You're not tuning in for where is this story going. You're tuning in because you like the characters. You miss the characters. You're, you're sort of switching on the episode to sort of check in with the characters. How are they doing today? What, what's been up with them? You're catching up with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I don't even care where this story is going. I just want to know how their day went. And to be that's honest, exactly the kind of drama this is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I agree. To be honest, like initially, I thought that um, Junwan, who is um, Jung Kango's character, and I thought him and Sungwa had chemistry yeah i thought i i, I thought and that i too. still kind of feel the chemistry and i think that's just like the two actors really have chemistry but yeah. now he has the storyline with Iksun, so like that isn't Which happening is and it is cute yeah. but i wish we got to actually like see them together because they're adorable like i want to actually see them more i mean we we got a little bit more in episode six maybe there's more in seven but um that yeah. like jung yang ho um being like a gruff uh grumpy person most of the time and then just like turning into this like corny marshmallow whenever he talks to her on the oh. phone it's just so cute and that pigeon thing has to be like the the corniest thing ever yeah i don't get no, that you have to watch episode seven i was dying there's a scene between ikjun and junwan they they are you know how Ikjun is uh, really focused, really thinks that his sister has a crush on this other doctor, <laughs> friend of oh, yeah. hers. Okay, I can't, I can't go more into it, but it's like a hilarious scene. I mean, I'm every time going... he like calls that other doctor brother-in-law, I'm just dying. Uh... I'm just like, <laughs> and Junwan's there, and he's like boiling with anger, but he can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, it's those kind of details, you know, or like the fact that. Uh, Junwan and Songwa like just eat all the food before the rest of them can even start eating and it's like this running joke that like continuously I love that kind of stuff the other thing that I wanted to mention is like you know the eyeshadow doctor with the short bob um, yeah. the one who initially was like being all hateful towards Sukyung and um, being and she was like super judgmental of everybody so I didn't really like yeah, her yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but then like when I found out that her and uh Yo, who the one who is in yeah. love with um, the guy who wants to be a priest. They're both army? Yeah, they're both army. No, when I found out that they were actually best friends, it made me like both of them more because they're so different. And individually, yeah. I didn't like either one of them that much. Um, there were certain things yeah. that I was just like, eh. But then like finding out that they were friends was like so heartwarming. And I was like, oh, this friendship is actually so cute. And so now I'm like rooting for both of them. 
So we'll see where that goes. But I like them. I I hope they both get their doctors. Because also, um, I really, re- I mean, I'm at the the whole uh, Jungwon and Gyoul uh, thing. I'm rooting for them, but I also kind of want Jungwon to get what he wants, and he wants to go into the church so badly. It's something yeah. that he really feels like he has to do. I don't think it's right when somebody has like fixated on a goal like that, and he really feels that it's his calling to kind of like push him to live in normal society against his wishes. Yeah. No, and I when I say I'm rooting for Kyol as well, like I don't mean that I'm rooting for her. No, no, to I get understand. That I, I totally I just, understand. As a person, I I I know that. I'm just talking about the various romantic pairings, and inevitably in these stories, romantic pairings are something that you would yeah. start talking about. And on the one hand, I find it adorable that Kyol's crush on him is so. It just it changes her completely. Like yeah. usually she's so no nonsense and focused on stuff, but like ever since she developed a crush on him, it just yeah, also those funny. like information gathering meetings that they have with that one doctor <laughs> ah, that yeah. went to school with them is hilarious. I love that doctor, the one who like tells them all the gossip. He's really funny. Yeah, yeah. So that and also, uh, as you said, uh, I think it was Mina, right? The the doctor with, who initially didn't really get along with Sokyung. Yeah, Mina. That's right. So uh, I I kind of like Mina's crush on Sokyung as well. <laughs> that I actually yeah I think that would be good for each other if he if he's I, able I, to I, I think so, fall too. out of love with Songhua and you know. I don't know if he's still in love no, with her, but he... I don't think he's in love with Songha and him. I, I, they don't act like that at all. But the problem is, and I don't know if it's a problem so much. I don't know what Mina's age is, but she seems very young. Whereas, um... Well, she's a third-year resident. So that means that she's probably around 27? No, maybe 25 or 26? But you know, she was working in a lab before she moved uh, to medicine. So maybe she's actually older. Hmm, maybe. So, uh, it's actually possible. Maybe if she's in her early 30s, then I guess the age gap isn't that huge. Because I, the only thing is that in these situations, in hospital situations, falling in love with the doctor you admire while you're working beside him is not just a trope, it's a fact. It does, it, it happens really frequently. So, uh, for both of these uh, residents to sort of get with their doctors... <laughs> would be a bit unrealistic so i'm expecting one or the other to kind of not work out not work out just statistically yeah. Yeah. it seems unlikely yeah which is why i'm kind of hoping that mina does get her doctor yeah i that would be the relationship that i would want to see happen and I, you're right i don't think that Sukyung still is in love with songha but he like he really highly values her opinion and he's very close to her um, and they're really good friends so True. that's probably something that Mina is going to have to deal with at some point. Yeah. Deal with, yeah. 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 Okay. But have you noticed that both the men who were in love with in college, they both went off and got married and then got divorced? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I feel like the writers just don't have a lot of original things to do when it comes to romance. I feel like... Romance tends to be their weakest. Like this writer and director in most of their projects, everything else tends to be incredible. The romance sometimes is weaker, in my opinion. No, 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 no. Are you insane? What? After Reply 1997? How could 
did you? But that was only one case. Did you watch 94 or 98? I haven't watched it. I, I haven't watched either of the other <laughs> replies. I mean, I feel like I've only watched with both 94 and 98, people were like ready to draw blood because they were so angry <laughs> about like where the romantic pairing went. And like, even though with 97, the main romance was really good and really satisfying, like... I did not love the whole who's the husband. Let's guess. Oh, you know, God. like Especially all of that. Especially the elder brother. He's yeah. far too old. For it was it. too I mean, much. He was dating a schoolgirl. What is? Yeah. So I feel like with them, it's kind of hit or miss. Sometimes with the romance, whereas like they always like hit it out of the park with like family relationships and work relationships and friendships and the slice of life stuff and like all like the small tragedies and triumphs of daily life and all of that. Like they do so well, better than yeah. better than the romance. Agreed. Totally. It's just such a happy drama to watch. Yeah. The doctors are still a little bit too perfect, but you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, they are the protagonists. So if you consider that the story may be being told from their perspective, they would think that they are perfect. <laughs> but like, it's like every doctor, like the whole system is it's like the medical system is the protagonist and it's just like great and amazing and like even the poor people can get care because you have this miraculous daddy long legs program and yeah. there's no problems and there's no issues with like undocumented people not being able to get health care. It's just, no, doctors never make any mistakes and if they do, like it's a resident and their supervising doctor is like right there to fix the problem and save the life. It's just, I don't know, it's a little too much sometimes. Yeah. And the doctors are always at hand giving up their weekend camping trips to run back to check on the patients. And also, like, the patients are always, like, uh, stupid. So grateful. A lot of times. <laughs> they're ungrateful. They're dumb. They have, like, wrong information that they found on the internet. They don't know their bodies as well as the doctor does. And, like, that really um, irritates me a lot. Because it's Triggers. usually the opposite. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of triggering. Yeah. But anyway, I talked about this before, so I don't want to harp on it too much. No, I understand. But like, I having seen something of my dad's practice, having watched him talk to his patients, like as a kid, I would sometimes because uh, my my dad had a uh, my dad had a private practice in the in our house, um, interact with his patients, and Anisa. It's a fact that most people are really dumb when it comes to medicine. And that's okay because that's not a field of expertise that everybody needs to be ace at. The doctors get 10 years or more of like just medical learning. People can ask really dumb questions. And that's okay. That should be okay. You should be able to ask dumb questions of your doctors. And your doctor should be able to answer that patiently without patronizing you. So, in most of the situations in this drama, I do get the sense that that is what they are doing. That the patients, they are suddenly facing an emergency, a medical situation. Not something that's, you know, not a medical condition that they've been suffering for years. But a sudden medical condition and they don't have any information. So, they're asking questions that sound really daft. And the doctors are answering and depending on which doctor they are filming the case of the week with, they, some are answering with patience and mm. understanding and others are answering brusquely and that's, not very That's true. And I but, agree with you that like in this case, the doctor is the expert. And so you go to the expert because the expert has more knowledge than you. And you're hoping that the expert will be able to help you. And in a lot of cases, and I would say like 
probably a majority of the cases, the doctor does have a lot more information than you and they can help you and you need their help, right? But then like, there are also cases where they can be egregiously wrong. And that they, you know, like telling them the symptoms and they don't believe you. Yeah. And that's like a documented thing that happens. And it especially happens to uh, like women are, you know, seen as being like able to endure more pain. Ethnic minorities are, you know, like a lot of times not believed when they say that they're in pain. So like also we we don't know. We don't know our own symptoms. We're just imagining it. Right. It's so like if they had at least had one case like that, you know, like how many in every hour and a half long episode we see like so many patients you know even if they had one case like that and instead like they had that one time where there was that doctor who wanted to do the surgery in a particular way and they're like oh no he doesn't know what he's doing but then it turns out he knows what he's doing it's all fine he's an expert too so like you know it's not that i want them all to be terrible people obviously i love the protagonists and i want them to you know I like them. They're great. I, I like that they're yeah. good doctors. It makes me happy. But like at least one of their colleagues, like they couldn't even put a single colleague in there who has that like, I'm a surgeon, so I'm God mentality, which like we definitely know a lot of surgeons do kind of have that, you know? So yeah, absolutely. I just find that and a little all unrealistic. All of their surgeries have been a success till now. Like they have n- n- never do their surgeries go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And that's just not realistic. It's not, but I did, uh, uh, if you, it's in episode seven. So one of the, are they, is it a resident? I think it's a resident. It's one of the higher up uh, ones. Uh, Has something bad happened at home? So they're dealing with a sort of patient's family, calling them up and being really rude to them. And then, you know, the daughter of the man calls him up and really apologizes. And she's like, I'm so sorry. My father's so distressed about my mom's condition and, and the, and this guy is listening to her and, and instead of being sympathetic, because obviously it's a really bad situation, he snaps at her. Uh, and the other residents are looking at him because that's an uncharacteristic thing to do. And also not, not what, uh, you know, at least not what this hospital environment uh, promotes. But that's okay. But we also know why he's snapping. We know that he's he has this horrible thing happen at home. So we know that this is not what he does on a daily basis. Whereas I've been to hospitals where nurses and the staff have acted really rudely. And you can tell that that's just their regular routine. Behavior, and that's just how yeah. they do it. Yeah. They, don't, they don't really see you as individuals anymore. You're just like one more, you know, you're like a number on a chart. It's not... So yeah, this is not that story. This yeah. is a halcyon version of a <laughs> hospital where people are all good-hearted. They're all trying their best. And some people might be trying a little less than their best. But, you know, by the end of the drama, they'll also be trying <laughs> their very best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's fine. There's a reason why I don't watch medical dramas because I have a lot of personal <laughs> trauma associated with bad doctors. So I knew that going in. It's okay. I'm enjoying it for the most part. But we'll we'll keep watching. We'll keep watching. Yeah, definitely. This is not a drama I can stop watching. <laughs> but uh, I'm starting uh, Prison Playbook. I missed it when it aired, but I've heard tons of good things about it. And I think, I mean, it just feels wrong to not have watched it at this point. So Yeah, no, it's definitely on my list. I think it came out when I was like in the middle of exams or something or papers. Yeah, so I think I just 2018. Never... 
so yeah that was the end of my first semester of grad school and i was dying fun yeah <laughs> i think i wrote 50 pages in like two weeks for my final papers that semester that's a lot of pages man it was too much all right well watch lots anyway. of dramas now please make up for it <laughs> Yeah, I will. I'm going to get back into it now. Okay, so wrapping up this episode, guys, uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Dramas Overflow, uh, on Instagram at Dramas Overflowers underscore podcast. You can email us at Dramas Overflowers at gmail.com. Uh, guys, where can everybody find you on the socials? On the socials? What am I? What? <laughs> How old are you? 22? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> spend too much time online <laughs> you can find me on twitter at anisa khalifa underscore and you can find me at not now sire and i will never call anything lit <laughs> thanks for that announcement and you can find our blog at dramasoverflowers.net yeah and you can also find me on twitter <laughs> anisa oh sorry <laughs> At Festa Pasta. <laughs> Sorry, it's because you did the Twitter before. Then I was like, oh, she already did Twitter well, in my when, mind. When you when you find one of us, you find all of us, right? <laughs> you actually kind of do. You yeah. just have to follow the breadcrumbs. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so that's it, guys. Uh, see you in the next episode. See you on the next episode. In the next episode? On the on, right? Okay. See you next time. So, see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.